the Plotcast podcast with the Potty Plotters. Hello and welcome back to the Potty Plotters podcast. I'm Elaine. And I'm Julia. And don't forget, if you want to get in touch with us at any time, you can do it via our social channels. Which is Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Potty Plotters. We've got a website as well, pottyplotters.uk. And you can also email us at naughtycorner at pottyplotters.uk. Well, today, Julia, we are outside. Hallelujah for that. The sun is shining, the birds are singing. It looks like somebody's got a bonfire on plot seven over the other side. And there are people up and down the paths waving because I think they wanted us to put the kettle on. But we're not going to do that because we're going to talk today about how do you get an elephant in a milk bottle? Oh, that's a good question, Elaine. How do you think we get an elephant in a milk well, bottle? Well, I know what the answer is, actually, Julia, but we've only got about seven minutes to talk about it because otherwise we'll have anarchy from the lads over the other side. So what I can tell you is I've sent some seeds over to your side of the table. I've given you a milk bottle that is empty and there's some multi-purpose compost at the side of you. Okay, so we've got the plastic milk bottle that we've talked about, I think it was episode one, one when we were talking about recycling. And all we've done is cut it in half and I am going to make some holes in the bottom because we do need some drainage at the bottom. Always poke away from you, Julia, not towards you. It's just okay, a bit of advice. thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the NHS is quite busy, isn't it? It is, moment? yeah. So, right, okay. So I'm poking holes in the bottom yeah. and I'm getting some multi-purpose compost and just filling up the container with the multi-purpose Does compost. it matter what size milk bottle you've got? Uh, no, I mean, this one I'm using is a one-litre bottle. I've used two-litre bottles. It depends how many leaks you want in your bottle oh. and there's a clue there. So the elephant in the bottle is going to be leak seeds. And they are a variety called elephant. And uh, why do we like them, Elaine? Well, we like them because I know what they're like. I've grown them in the past. They're very successful, I would say, as a leak. I like them because they've got a long trunk, a long white trunk. I don't know what you actually call that, a long white bit. A shank. A long white shank. (laughs) Right. So a long white shank and only a bit of green on the top. Now, some people, of course, like the greenery on the top. And of course, you can eat that. And particularly when you're doing things like a leek soup, etc. But it's the white bit that I like. Yes. So, Julia. And that's the bit that we're looking for. And actually, when I first took my plot, there was a gentleman opposite me and he used to grow leeks for exhibition purposes. And when he was giving up, he actually gave me bags and bags of old pipe. So the pipe that you use for your guttering but it was in different sizes and I couldn't work out why he'd given it me until I learned about actually if you cover the leeks as they're growing and put the uh, piping over the top that encourages more of the white rather than the green so every time I grew them you slotted another one of these pipes over the top and it produced more white uh, leek which I suppose for exhibition is something that you'd be looking to do but for the purposes of just growing your own leeks it was a bit of faff it was a bit unnecessary and if you grow enough you can always just chop the green off and you, like you say you can use that in in soups so it's not well as why important. aren't you planting straight into the ground then well or in your pipes <laughs> <laughs> well I've not planted directly in the ground because it's easier to do it this way and also as seeds are growing 
when you when they start to grow you don't know what's coming up as what you're trying to grow and what's coming up as a weed, weed. if you're not yeah, experienced yeah. and sometimes it can be dependent on the weather it's also about thinning them out and messing around so it's much easier to do it as a plant and then pop them in the ground when they get to pencil size so you can actually control the plants themselves this way and you know what it is that you're growing you can put your label in in a little while and you know that they will be warm and snuggly and therefore they will germinate and that's really important isn't it this time of year yeah so we've got the uh, leeksies here that you gave me the elephant uh, variety and i've popped the compost in and all i'm going to do oh there you go i'm short arms (laughs) right and Did I'm, you say arms? Arms, oh, right, yes, okay. yeah. I, well, I am quite small compared to you, you know. I can't reach across all of the table. I can only do half of it. So I'm just going to spray. Have you put any water in here? <laughs> have you booby trapped me or something? Right, I'm just going to spray the compost that's in the bottom half of the milk bottle. Okay. And just wet that probably, you know, about, an, about a centimetre's worth of water in there. And... I'm giving the packets a flick and we give the packets a flick so that because they tend to hide in the corners of the seed packets and you don't want to waste any. So I've just taken the top off and I'm going to sprinkle these very tiny seeds into the top of the compost. And that's all I'm going to do, spread them out. And you're making sure that they've got plenty of room to grow there yeah. by not overcrowding. So you've put a few rather than a lot. I've not the used top. the whole seed packet okay. on this. Yeah. And the beauty of doing it in the milk bottle is it's got quite a good depth yeah, to it. Yeah, I noticed that. So when the roots are growing, I can leave them in for a bit longer before I'm even having to think about pricking them out. Yeah. So I've put the seeds on. And remember, when you're planting a seed, always plant about twice the depth of compost on the top of the seed. So if it's a small seed, again, a small amount of compost. If it's a big seed, obviously you're wanting a lot more depth. And I'm going to pop some compost, about a centimetre of compost on the top, give it a spray, and then... And that way, by doing it, uh, the, the spray and the compost, the seeds aren't actually moving. They no. are already in situ, so they're not all going to rush to one side when you put a watering can load over, etc. That's right, that's right. And all I'm going to do now, the top of the milk bottle that uh, we've cut off, I'm just going to pop that over the top and use it almost like a little greenhouse. And then there it is. And we pop the label in. We've got a label for it to remind us when we've planted it because that's really important. Otherwise, you do forget. You think you remember and then a week later you think you've planted them two weeks ago. So it's important to pop a date on your labels to remind you when you've planted things. And that will just go in my greenhouse. It doesn't need really warm conditions like some of the seeds that we've planted, like the chilies and aubergines. It will be fine in the greenhouse because you've got a little greenhouse on it anyway and it's not going to drop that badly at night that it's going to affect something that's doubly insulated effectively. So, And then probably in about 10 to 12 days we should start seeing them coming up and once they start to emerge and uh, or most of the seedlings are up then we'll take the top off and just leave them to grow. So Elaine, that's how you get an elephant in a milk bottle. It sounds like there's an elephant over the other side of the allotments because I can hear such a lot of banging and shouting and rambling that's going on. That'll be Kev Plot too, I think. I wondered if it was Jackie trying to get out of the shed. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. 
so we're on episode six now, Elaine. That's gone quickly, hasn't it? It has. Some would say it's been a blooming long few weeks, but <laughs> nevertheless, yes. So let's have a quick catch up on everything that we've been planting so that people who are maybe copying us at home can know what they're looking for. Right. Well, we did sweet peas in episode two and the sweet peas that we did in our takeaway boxes. If you want to know more about that, then go back to episode two and catch up. And what I can say, Julia, is they are now in the windowsill, um, still at home, three inches tall, easy and producing their leaves. And I've got loads, so they are coming away lovely. So have you put them in the compost already, Elaine? Yes, I have. They needed to because they can't live forever on tissue paper, toilet paper and water. So all I've done is I've planted them because they've got root system as well. And they are honestly, they're coming away lovely. Honest. Beautiful. And what about the potatoes that you planted in? uh, Well, you were chitting, sorry, in episode one. Yeah, all I've done is I've put the potatoes into egg boxes. And again, if you go back to listening to them, I think it's not listening to the potatoes, but listening to us. That's really important. No, they don't actually. But they don't chatter, they chit. So um, by chitting, that's really important. So all that we're doing is letting them sprout, letting them get their little tiny... sprouts that's all it is really and they're probably around half an inch at the moment so coming along nicely and remind us where you've got them where have you i've got them, them in the shed they're not in the dark they're towards the light they're frost free and uh, as i say they won't get hurt by any of the cold weather and what's really good is that they won't get too spindly too quickly the sprouts that is yeah that's good and pea shoots you were planting pea shoots weren't you pea shoots the peas have swollen i oh, can see through the plastic sides yeah so I've got swellings over there and I'm hoping that this time next week they should actually have sprouted through good that's good it's like homework that won't it yeah yeah what about your aubergines then oh well that was only seven days ago and it's still a little bit early to see them coming through i also planted some chili seeds at the same time and they are not showing anything so still early days for for both of those i wouldn't expect to see them possibly for another two weeks well i've planted up all of the shallots i did that the other day when you were having some time off again and uh, i can say that there's no movement on those whatsoever other than the fact i've moved them towards the light in the tangerinery don't forget the tangerinery is like an orangery but much smaller so we've had a really busy week yet again and we've been to leak yes Yes, that was quite an adventure wasn't it (laughs) It and for us that was uh, going outside of the county so we're spreading a bit like a rash aren't we (laughs) (laughs) Some would say worse, but yes. So we've been to Leak in Staffordshire and here are some of the questions that we picked up from there. So we had a few people coming to us and saying uh, when should they be planting things and we were talking about seed packets and obviously new starters are very keen and they look at the seed packets and they always go for the first date. But what did we advise them, Elaine? We advised them to look not just on the back of these packets. I've got some more seeds here in front of me because they'll invariably come out with different times but it might well be it depends on where you live in the country so although for instance i'm going to pick these up here and this one says that we could be planting out in march april and may but it doesn't say according to where you live so we 
are a lot warmer here than perhaps over in Scotland or up north. But conversely, down south would be warmer than what we get. So what we say is wait for the warmth and judge the soil and listen to Thomas Schaffernacker or anybody else, but we really like him. So listen to him and his weather forecasts because they really do matter. Yeah, and as a rule of thumb, really, if you've got that kind of span of dates, because we're in the middle of the country, we're in the Midlands, look towards the mid dates rather than the either extremes but if you're at the south of the country look to the early dates in the north of the country look to the later dates. and let's face it julia you're much better going later than earlier because if you've got long spindly wiry yellowy looking seedlings there's not a lot you can do with them if the weather still is cold outside so hang back a little bit i will Another question that we had was about sweet peas, ironically, and this uh, gentleman said that he can never get his sweet peas to germinate. Now, some people would think, ah, you're making that up. Really not. They are some of the hardest seeds to get germinating. So my advice was, have you got a phone? Give it me. Let me look and I'll show you how to listen to some of our podcasts because the way that we get our seeds to germinate is so easy. Some would say easy peasy, actually, Julia, but I'll not do that today. No, that's a bit corny, isn't it? It is really, but that's me. Contact the Potty Plotters anytime on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Potty Plotters or email naughtycorner at pottyplotters.uk. we're going to get serious now for a while um it's mental health awareness week in may we know that being outside can be good for your mental health but why is that ambika erin Connolly is a psychotherapist from america but she lives in derby and she's one of our starter plotters I came to the allotment plot on a National Garden Scheme's open day, and it was in 2021, just after the last lockdown for COVID. Mm. And one of the things that when I walked around and talked to plot holders uh, that were available for chats, which there were many, um, was they kept on saying it was an absolute game changer for their mental health to be able to come to the plot during really serious crises like COVID, which we were all in together. So it's one of those things that we can look at it as a big picture of a collective difficulties or crises, or we can look at it in personal level and how individually sometimes having somewhere to go and something physical and repetitive and in fresh air has a really different thing. It's almost like where the body goes, the mind will follow. It's one of the ways I would talk about mental health and how allotments are really helpful for that. Um, The other way I'd talk about is the community here, which is just absolutely stonking brilliant. (laughs) As you two are very much active people, and um, I can't thank you enough for all the time and the number of times where I earwigged you for half an hour, an hour, about things I didn't know about, like the fact beans need feet covers and things like that. (laughs) So there's something about a sense of connection that happens as well. So in the way that... There's what you do physically that might help kind of give you a shift of perspective, even if it's just for a short period of time. It might not solve the problem, but it's almost like, oh, I've had a little break. And all I've been thinking about is mud, seeds, water, sunshine. (laughs) And it's amazing how you can talk to somebody for over an hour about that (laughs) and then walk away and go, oh, I've had a break. I've had a different been in a different space for just a bit of time so there's just that reprieve now i could get into the biology of that and how we're wired to need to socially engage and we're wired to need times of break and pause and relaxing 
and how being physically active actually helps our breathing, our blood pressure, and other issues. So although we're talking about mental health, you get a real physical basis to mental health that really gets attended to at an allotment or in a garden. Okay. Can you think of any occasion uh, when actually having an allotment or some kind of space like this would actually have a negative impact on your mental health? I, mm. I'll, I'll refer back to when I first started. So when I first started on my allotment, I was having a very bad mental health period. I was very, okay. very poorly. And I took on a plot and the one that was offered to me was a full plot. Wow. And I took on the full plot and I remember... Within about three months, I was actually quite overwhelmed by it. And had I not have had the support of the allotment people around me, mm. I think I would have given up at that point. Mm. And I think, you know, that's something that we do need to be conscious of, isn't it? Yeah, there's something about when thinking about any positive changes to help improve or enhance or maintain mental well health or well-being is to think about proportion of actions. I think that's one of those things that sometimes people know that they feel a need for something different, but then they kind of go for the big picture instead of thinking about what might be the toe in the water, the baby step, or the starter plot-sized experience. And I think that, you know, it's one of those things, like, like I said, I'm very lucky that I'm able to stay on the starter plot for another year because I know my limits this year. I'm not ready to, like you said, take on a plot. There's some other stresses in my life that I need to manage, and that would become a stress instead of actually a relief of stress. Yes. So your example is a great example of how there's something about managing expectations and starting small. So like, for example, when I decided to stay on the starter plot here for an extra year, I also talked to both of you about how I could volunteer. So I was increasing my, my engagement, but I wasn't necessarily getting myself into anything that was ironclad or over-responsible. And I think that it's a bit like you can't eat the whole buffet and you have to kind of look at things in a really realistic way. And and that also is another big ingredient of mental well-being it is actually self-compassion of recognizing the situation you're in and actually working in a step-by-step -step way. And that is so easy to say and so difficult to I do. do. Yeah. So I'm not kind of just sort of going, oh, it's easy peasy. I've just said it and now you're done. It's a continual practice. It's something of trying to build habits and habits come and go. They don't stay forever unless you're an extraordinary person like an Olympic athlete or something like that. So there's something about kind of an ebb and flow about how you look at reasonable ways to engage, get something different in your life. And having fresh air will change the way you breathe. And the way you breathe can also help change the way you think, even if it's just for a little spot of time. I remember when you first started on the starter plot and you came with a beautiful uh, picture of your plans of what you were going to be doing and what you were going to be planting and where it all was. And I felt dreadful that I've just smashed your ideal down by saying, well, no, we can't do that. And that won't work there. And no, we don't do sweet corn like that. Mm. Um I'm supposing that that didn't do much for your mental health. It made me feel terrible, but I was being realistic with it oh, all. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's very sweet of you to check in about that. But I hope that I kind of had more of a response of, thank you. I had <laughs> no idea. I had maybe grown a stack of potatoes, potatoes in a stack of tires 10 years before and had no experience. So if you said something, I took you took you at face value. Maybe that's because I have my childhood in America. I'm a bit literal, I don't know. But, you know, I think there is that sense of really kind of also, that's another thing about mental health is that sometimes it's important to actually take on different perspectives than your own. 
because sometimes when you're feeling particularly unwell, the world closes down, it shrinks, and it becomes a loop tape, and it feels tighter and tighter, kind of a spiral to get out of. So that sense of what you just said, at the time I wasn't in, an, in a place of mental health difficulties, so I just kind of was in a great place to go, oh, you want me to make this happen with the sweet corn, and you don't think that those go there, that needs to go near the fence where there's less sun, great. I just sort of went, you've been here a lot longer than I have. I'm not going to argue that. To be honest, when it came to the allotment, I think I ended up doing eight different plans. You know, so I was very much in a movable feast and it's better to be told that when before you plant something than sitting there sadly looking at a shriveled thing in July. And it worked because you were successful, it's fair to say, on your starter plot. I was Tell us am- about your successes. Well, I was amazed. First of all, I loved the fact that um, there were so many different ways that people were using the starter plots. So some people were fantastically organised and meticulous about their rows. And I was kind of a, oh, I'll put a blob there or I'll take a bunch of branches and make a basket of peas that way. Or, you know, so there was a lot of creativity and there was a lot of exp- experimentation. And when I had a wobble or a bit of a doubt, one or both of you would say, oh, just go for it. Just give it a go. What can you do? And so giving it a go meant that I had about 20 different types of plants in a 10 by 20 foot starter plot over the course of six or eight months. And lots and lots of flowers in that as well. I realized I had an unknown love of beans. So I had about four different kinds of beans at one point growing. So yeah. And you know, I actually miss it at the moment. So I come down and like take pictures of a snow-covered starter plot, you know, and, (laughs) you know, kind of try and think, find little things to do. So, because it is, there's something, there's a real connection of, oh, just, and I I had actually um, a difficult day. When was that? About two weeks ago. And it was, you know, it's dark at this time of year, really early. And I knew that I needed to go for a walk, but it was dark. And I thought, you know what? The allotments are behind a locked gate. I could come here unlock the gate, lock it behind me, and I was in a safe space where I could just walk around. And I did a couple of laps of walking around the allotment. It wasn't about doing anything on anybody's allotment, much less my own, but it was about the idea of kind of going, I need to shift into a different space for a little bit of time. And then I was comfortable to go home, cook dinner, and and get a good night's sleep, because I just got a lungful of fresh air and a bit of a, okay, This isn't going to work to just keep pushing harder to get through this. I need to pause. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget that if you've enjoyed what you've heard, press that subscribe or follow button, KevPlot2, so you never actually miss one of our episodes. Coming up on the Plotcast with the Potty Plotters. It was amazing. It was just that inspiration that I needed watching him. It just showed you sort of like how it was. I was working with Alan Titchmarsh last week and um, he was quite impressed because I showed him my pink pussy willow. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. In the next episode, we'll be talking parsnip seed germination and we'll be chatting to international floral designer, Jonathan Mosley. And later... In episode eight, we'll be talking to the face of veg, Rob Rob Smith. Until then, bye for now. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters is an Amberland Media production.